Hi, I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Danica Brown. And we're biracial unicorns. And have you ever needed a snack to hold you over till the next snack? Mm, I I think at that point, you're just like... Snack meals. You're the one <laughs> at that point, you're eating. At that at that point, it is it is it is just eating at that. But I'm it's definitely dangerous eating. thinking to not think of snacks as eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very. <laughs> I just you know what it is. I think as as a mom to a growing mm. growing young lady, I am basically the snack bitch. That is like something that I constantly. I have never known someone to be like, oh, we'll have a snack in about an hour. Oh, can I have a snack till then? I've never That's ridiculous. to hold over to the next snack. And then I have to realize if I've done that in my own life. And the answer, Danny, is yes. I have needed a snack to hold me over to the next snack. So we call it a snack accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why not just bump up the next snack? I don't, I, you know, I don't know. I try not to put limits on our time on food in general, but it's always like letting it digest, get some water. I'm a big fan of like, oh, if you're hungry, have some water first, then wait, you know, making sure you don't snack to where you don't want dinner. All of those like parental human things in your mind that tries to organize food. And this is why our minds are completely like fried when it comes to like eating and diet culture but seriously i'm just like i have done that i have definitely done that we still need to put like these time limits i'm just not that food minded i don't Mm, think uh, i'm incredibly food minded it's i don't it just is i don't think it's good or bad it just is no i i mean my husband is that way like he's always (laughs) thinking about what the next meal is what the next (laughs) food is so I, I'm, a, I'm familiar with it, but it's not necessarily the way I live my life. <laughs> then you and my husband can commiserate because <laughs> we've definitely I, like have woken up in the morning and just been like, morning, oh, another day. I'm like, mm, did you sleep? Okay, yeah. What do you want for dinner? <laughs> he's not even up. He hasn't had coffee. And he's been dealing with this for like 13 years of me like asking him what he wants for dinner before 9 a.m. And he's like, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to share with him my secrets. Oh. I won't I won't speak them here so that oh. he can use them. <laughs> he will appreciate that. I'll definitely do that. <laughs> well well today as we're we're trading trading secrets, you know who also <laughs> likes to trade secrets? <laughs> Nerds. <laughs> That was a, a bit forced there. <laughs> it, it is not my best material today. Like, I'm going to be very transparent. It's okay. You don't have to be on it all the time. I was going to try to do a really cool, like how Danny does a reveal. You're mm. very like, you, you love a buildup. I love a reveal, which is so dumb because everyone already knows what we're talking about because of I, the episode name. Yeah. but and, and I live for the reveal. But I think today I'm just like, there's so much ground to cover. I'm just going to, I'm I'm diving Dive in. Dive right in. So yeah, into nerd culture we go. <laughs> well, this has been like, you know, we have a running list of things we want to talk about. And this has been on our list, I feel, for a while. So it feels really good mm-hmm. to kind of dive into it. And what does that mean for BIPOC people, uh, women, for mixed women within nerd culture a little yeah. bit. So it's really cool because we normally kind of reserve these kind of topics for mini-sodes. So the fact that I feel like we're making our own crossover, which mm. is also very nerdy. Yeah. It's like mm. we're talking about the mini-sodes, but like digesting them like a full episode. Ooh. And see, you always have a way of phrasing it to make it seem so smart. I'm here for it. <laughs> so diving into the world of nerd, I think uh, the first question everyone has, Damika, is what is a nerd? What is a geek? What is a blurred? Do these terms mean anything? <laughs> I, well, you know, you know, I love a definition. You know, I know I love a definition. I actually, I so I had, I felt very Danny. I felt very Danny today because I had, I've had a book I've been wanting to read, mm. and I found this to be the perfect excuse to read it. So I felt very Danny. I'm like, I have a book for this. It is a Black Nerd Problems by William Evans and Omar Holman. It's really great. They're comedians, writers. I believe they have a blog or whoops. I'm not cool. 
<laughs> whatever we'll link all their information within the show notes but they they too also did a really good breakdown of the definition of a nerd which is different from a geek uh, they talked about how one webster dictionary said defines a nerd as an unstylish unattractive a socially inept person especially one slavely devoted to intellectual or academic pursuits and then they went on to another. Why you call me out like that? I, I thought you felt really like, I'm like, Danny's not going to like that in front of company. I don't like that. <laughs> then I thought, uh, dictionary.com, a person considered to be socially awkward, boring, unstylish, too. And uh, an intelligent but single-minded person obsessed with a non-social hobby or pursuit. Quotation marks, a computer nerd. That's a parenthesis. <laughs> Oh, did I do parentheses hands? I did a parentheses hands. So I'm not a grammar nerd. Did we? But just... I am. Yeah, obviously. she is. There we go. That was more policing. But you know, okay. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I did do like a curved booty parentheses hands. This is a great. Y'all... This is a great place to discuss a visual. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what I what I found really interesting is that the authors in this book talk about how the we've had words like stupid and dope kind of change their meaning, right? They've mm. had this lexicalization of how they've changed meaning over time. Bad. But word, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But the evolution of nerd hasn't necessarily evolved nearly as much. And I thought that was so interesting. And they kind of went into when we think of nerd examples that we've had throughout history and what this means. And we'll probably break into this a little bit more of talking about nerddom necessarily as just this unstylish, unsociable obsession person, but necessarily like what does geekdom look like on a spectrum mm. of that, of like intensity. So I thought that was really interesting, but I've always thought nerd was more academic in my own definition of acquiring knowledge and geekdom was more like enthusiasm. Like you geek out over something There's it's mm. collecting, it's gathering, it's, it's that kind of new obsession kind of thing. So, but I think they're really used, uh, the, uh, people interchange them, I think, a lot. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I find them pretty interchangeable. Mm. But yeah, I think there there are subtleties. Otherwise, both words wouldn't continue to exist, which is just linguistic nerd coming out. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right. There is something a little bit more academic about the word nerd. Mm-hmm. Like it would be hard to be, I don't know. I, I, I'm struggling to think of examples, but I think nerd is very much like the image of someone with glasses, like behind a book comes to mind, <laughs> right? I think they do. I think... Uh, within the book of talking about that that kind of imagery of being socially awkward and against social norms and they, they bring into uh, leading into us talking about blurs is black mm. nerds and I'll, I'll put into brown nerds birds I like birds <laughs> and uh, of, of what that looks like and talking about nerdum is already part of a uh, as a subculture right right and but then also being a marginalized group is also being part of a subculture. Like we're not, we're not part of me or what, how it feels like, right. Of already being a minority. So being a minority and a minority group is a really interesting place to be that I think we, that's why we have many so's of having that representation of females who are Brown talking about these traditionally geek-keeped nerdy kind of topics. Mm. So it is, it's interesting. The verbiage is kind of important. I think it's uh, being able to define something kind of going forward is really important in order to properly discuss them. <laughs> yeah. I So I have a few thoughts. One is I would push back on the idea that nerd and geek have not changed connotations. Mm. I feel like that is like an out of touch older person saying that Mm. because in my experience working with younger people now, like nerd and geek are not, are not negative. They're not like 
even nerds and geeks didn't want to call themselves nerds and geeks Mm -hmm. when we were young. And now that has changed. People call themselves nerds all the time. So I I think it has changed connotation over time. Mm, Interesting. I reading that I did see what they mean about the definition of that, because I think once again, rewording it so it's like so in this aspect what would nerd mean then and people calling them when you when someone says now when a young person says i am a nerd what do you think they mean by that i think they just mean they're hyped about something outside of the mainstream and And i don't think socially awkward plays into it um yeah and i think you know like you said like unstylish unattractive like those Mm -hmm. don't play into it i don't think isn't that so interesting though but i think we still have when people hear it we still have that visual Mm. of like so when we say oh yeah but we have that visual but i don't think a 12 year old has that visual Mm, so you think it's like you said that age gap i think it's changing over time just like if you know you had asked our parents you know to think about stupid And what that meant, right? Like, they wouldn't have the visual of, like, someone all, like, fly, you know? Yeah, exactly. Or, like, dope. Like, what that that exactly means. So you feel this, the the author's like, hmm, because you do feel like that is, like, hmm, that is a very aged kind of stamped thing right there of that definition. I hear that. I peep that. I think, so with this modern, younger idealism, and we, you kind of touched on this off-microphone so does that really exist? If part of the original definition of nerddom is to be kind of part of this subculture, that's something that's not necessarily mainstream. And we look at the things that we would put underneath that, like, you know, old school Star Trek, Star Wars, which I guess Star Wars is not very, I mean, let me backtrack. Due to the amount that we're able to access originally things that were very niche can we have nerds and geeks anymore? So I think that we're approaching this from two different perspectives. Like, I think mm. you're you're talking that, like, we can't have nerd and geek culture anymore because things are so accessible. And I think that's true to a certain extent. I would counter with we cannot have nerd or geek culture anymore because we lack a mainstream. There is no mm. mainstream base touchstones for cultural consumption anymore like there used to be and and that is a byproduct of things being so accessible Mm. because like that you know not everyone is gathering around and turning on abc at you know 7 p.m on a friday (laughs) like we don't have the same touchstones because streaming services just accessibility, like you're saying, we people can kind of pick and choose and tailor their own pop culture consumption to fit things that they already like. Mm. So the amount of accessibility, the amount of consumption, dismantling the mainstream. Mm-hmm together in your opinion has crippled the idea of what and the possibility of are there being actual nerds or nerddom being a thing uh i wouldn't say dismantled nerds (laughs) but i would say dismantled this idea of nerd culture so i think people can still be if we go to the definitions you shared of nerd and geek i think people can be super hyped about Mm. something to an obsessive degree and know more than most people would know about that topic. I would still say that's a nerd. That's a geek. But I think, and and yes, there are like communities that embrace things, right? Cons are so huge and we're not, (laughs) you know, in in our childhood, even they were still just like starting up. Like there were Star Trek conventions And people thought that that was a weird thing. And now there's like (laughs) some sort of pop culture con like several times a year in Albuquerque where we didn't have any cons growing up. So I think it is it's there is community, but it's it's not the same as 
nerd culture in the sense that people aren't completely ostracized from society and mm. having to find that community to the same extent, I don't mm. think. Okay. Sorry. I was just like trying to really like, we're going to spend half of our time just, just defining trying, what we just mean. defining it. And I think that's why, like, even in the book, and maybe I'm not a poor representation, but reading it and talking about being more of the spectrum. Right. Yeah. And I, I would, and I, I would buy into that. Yeah. And I think that really kind of helped me gauge it because I was struggling with this idea of, like I said, I don't know if this world, if this world exists. Like I said, if this, if this self-proclaim, first self-proclaiming it, right? Self-proclaimed nerddom, self-proclaimed geekdom, access to community and a place to be accepted and flourish with this excitement of mm -hmm. this, this fandom and interest. I'm like, Oh, I don't know if this really exists, but then understanding that spectrum of there are people are saying, I really love superheroes and finding a place to where they can go to a con and they can cosplay and have other people being like, yeah, I got that Easter egg and that to the very, very extreme to where it's like, Holy cow. <laughs> like that is someone who eat, lives, breathes on that spectrum. And I think, we, I think we have to see it that way or else I think we, the book talks about it. You're not a true nerd. Right. right. Yeah. You're, no. You're and I think that, nerd. I think that is, that is the reality. Like even though I push back on this idea of nerd culture, mm -hmm. I think what you're talking about, this gatekeep keeping of fandom mm -hmm. certainly exists exists. So like if we're saying to be a fan, to be a nerd, like what are the things you have to like what love do you have to have have of a thing, right? Do you have to know everything about it? Do you have to have consumed every piece? Do you have to cosplay? Do you have to write fanfic? Do you have to draw fan art? Do you have to have, you know, a community of people who love that same thing? I know plenty of people who are nerdy about a thing who none of their friends like that same thing. Does yeah. that make them any less of a fan? I don't think so. Exactly. Uh, but people who look like me don't <laughs> tend to be the gatekeepers of this world. Exactly. And I definitely want to crack into that. And even this idea of like, when does is fan and nerd interchangeable? Mm. So once again, if you're looking at that spectrum, like I could be a fan of something, but I don't think I'm necessarily a nerd. I'm like, but what am I classifying that? Once again, of like, what would I have to do in order to gain this acceptance and notoriety? Once again, from this, whoever, who is ever gatekeeping the, the qualifications to feel like they can hold the prestige of being a nerd or geek or about Yeah. Something. And I so. think different fandoms have different levels right i would feel i would feel weird saying that i'm a star trek nerd mm. i have seen most of the franchises not all of them uh, i i love it i've rewatched episodes i can tell you about characters but i wouldn't say that i'm a nerd because i feel like there's a, a prestige level <laughs> that i am not at you know yeah but but who put that there yeah who put that there cuz i feel very uh, one, uh, we'll put Star Wars. I yeah. feel very intimidated by that, that that world, especially because there's so many series and offsprings. You could be a massive fan of the of the the Boba Fett series coming out, right? And you can know everything about it, but you would you be a Star Wars nerd? Would well, you be it, an authority of it? And this is like classic gatekeeping also and I think goes into the the question that you're you're raising of where do we as people of color fall into this? Where do we as women fall into this? Because Star Wars, I have seen, I haven't seen the animated Star Wars stuff, <laughs> uh, but I've seen everything else multiple times. I'm like, you got to watch the, <laughs> the original trilogy and the prequels in machete order. What are you thinking? <laughs> like, I have very strong feelings and Please tell me. I need you to have an outline. I need you to do yeah, that. No, girl, watch it in machete that. order. It's the okay. way to watch it. Okay. But I would not say that I'm like a, a Star Wars geek, uh, but I know, personally know, white guys who know less about Star Wars than I do who claim that geek title. So mm. I don't know. So let, let, let's get into it. So this is another thing that... 
when we put this all on our list that we want to get about. In fact, it's actually interesting. Our first guest spot was on Circle of Nerds. Holler, holler yeah. at the Circle of Nerds. Go listen to them. And we talked about this blurred culture, about gatekeeping, about what is our place in there? How do we operate within that field? And it is a struggle because, like I said, in the book, it actually mentions, especially for girls, I feel like we get classified as fake nerd girl because it's become also mm-hmm. an aesthetic. Yeah. So it's like you have to prove who, what episode did Storm come out in the original X-Men and what part of fictional utopian Africa did she come from and what was the color? What shade of black was her original suit? Oh, you don't know? Oh, you just want the aesthetic. You're a fake nerd girl. It's like, holy cow. Yeah. it's (laughs) And I think that has existed not just in this realm of pop culture, but I guess you can consider music popular culture. Mm. But I think about even being like a teenager and wearing a band t-shirt and men or boys questioning, like, what's your favorite track? Do you know this album? Like, it's that same (laughs) attitude. It's, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we could get into the psychology of why that happens, but I agree. I think... I think maybe that's where we start. We start talking about why is it that women and girls are not allowed to be fans of things? Mm-hmm. Well, we talk about so representation matters. So I'm just going to go with something like video games, right? Yeah. It's not something I'm very versed at for by my choice, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm knowing a lot of gamer girls out there, incredibly skilled. They're up there competing getting monetized, great websites, playthroughs, all of this have proved to be very uh, more than capable. But I'm thinking the representation in video games is this ongoing joke, especially with fighting ones. The armor is barely existing. It's always very busty. It's overtly sexual if there is actually someone in there. So I think even just in the material and representation in video games itself, it's very limited to actually see women there so if there's not women because men are not called to relate to something that they're not necessarily represented in because they're Mm. always represented somehow they don't understand Mm. how women can try to relate to something that they're like well there's no women in here or there's only one girl character and not all of you can like it how can you possibly like it or be attached to something you're not necessarily represented in or why would you this is this is fighting this is shooting this is aliens there's what is there for you here and being able to kind of have that that disconnect there's no cooking and cleaning in this game <laughs> you, you, right there's no no nails no costume changes <laughs> no pets that you can have to accessorize <laughs> yeah i think that that's true like there i mean but there are plenty of like cool characters that are female but i i agree that Historically, they've always been presented as so sexualized mm-hmm. within the video game culture. And yeah, I think it's because of marketing also. Because if you go if you go to other countries, right, that there are the sexualized characters, but I think there's more of a variety, at least historically, right? Because like in Japan. Gaming has all video gaming has always been like a 50 50 split male and female. So they don't have those same like hang ups, I don't think. Mm. Uh, but in the US, it was like skewed so heavily male for a long time. And women are left out of that. Definitely non binary people are left out of oh, that. Yeah. So I. Yeah, I think there is. That's a great example of a place where there is a lot of gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. And it, it just and I think sometimes gatekeeping also gets associated with authenticity. Mm. So I kind of the example I was thinking about preparing for this is there's the Lord of the Rings series happening. It's Hulu. I think it's Hulu. There's a Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you, you mentioned Hulu. this and I have no idea, yeah, <laughs> like, so there- which is another example of like. There are just so many things out there, like yeah. no one could possibly know. So I'm I'm excited to hear what your thoughts are on this. Yeah, so I'm really excited. So they're going back to the original rings, right, of the keepers mm-hmm. of all the original rings that I'm just like frothing at the mouth. This is going to be so fascinating. Well, some of the people are people of color and they're saying,
saying Tolkien's world was set this European, you know, um, aesthetic, and they're just adding people of color to pander to wokeness, which we've talked about the pandering, right? Like pander to me, big boy. Like, yeah, I'm a, I would love I, to I be pandered to. Love, love, love. Uh, I'm here for it. Anyone wants to pander to me? My email address is. <laughs> But it's interesting. So I follow a creator. is a white guy, and he is he's all about the obscure Lord of the Ring ones. And he's constantly having to call out racism on his on his platform of people saying, you know, that they're that I'm not watching this. This is not true to Tolkien. Tolkien, he would hate this, and just the amount of racism because they're thinking that they're keeping to the authenticity of it. Also, it's just like. There's elves and hobbits and shit. Like, what is authentic? There are, there, like, what? And that's what's so crazy about nerddom, gatekeeping, racially and gender wise. It yeah. makes no sense. So we can believe that there are mutant turtles eating pizza, but we can't believe that there are black fairies. Right. <laughs> I mean, I know people have a lot of feelings about Harry Potter, and we seem to get like hate <laughs> anytime we mention Harry oh my Potter. Goodness, I know. Uh, but I think for me, like ever since I heard the theory that Hermione is like mixed race <laughs> in brown, um, I like my Hermione, no shade to Emma Watson, who I think did a great job in the movies, yeah. but like my Hermione is now a black Hermione, <laughs> like yes. in my mind. Like I you love it. Yeah. And I'm there for that representation. Right. And so I think it's it's the same as a lot of things that we talk about that push back on the status quo, which in our country tends to be white people and the privilege that comes along with being white. I think any sort of pushback against that being the norm being the status quo, people feel attacked rather than taking a step back and thinking about how would I feel if I never saw anyone who looked like me on any television show? You know, how would how would my child feel if they thought that they were like a freak and unusual because they've never seen anyone who looks like them? Like representation is just so important. And I think when we're talking nerdum, fandom cultures, we're we're talking about the genres primarily, though it can be anything these days, mm-hmm. I feel like, but primarily like science fiction, fantasy, horror, like these specific genre fiction that really already has that room for yeah. representation without impacting anything. Because like you mm-hmm. said, if if this is Middle Earth... It could be anyone. People can look like anything. Exactly. Well, you know, this is so if we're taking geekdom, nerddom, fandom and saying that this is supposed to be originally a subculture that was supposed to be against normality Mm. and people latch onto that. I think it gets so absorbed into identity. And as we have learned, if you've been a listener to the show, when people feel like their identity is attacked, there is a very... Ooh, it's a very primal reaction to that. Looking at including other people of different abilities, races, genders, religions, styles into that feels like an attack on identity, especially for, I think, white males within these worlds who might not feel like they are part of the main culture, which is very bizarre to me. (laughs) Well, I I guess if you do not meet up, I'm trying to think of like, I'm trying to put on this hat, right? Of I'm a white male who might not be thinking that they're not traditionally good looking or might be slightly awkward. And if they find solace and peace within kind of nerd geekdom, but then other people try to infiltrate that. It Mm. is so fascinating of that guttural no and causing other people to feel the same kind of feeling that you have of being on the outside of popular culture and to me that is just that lack of empathy is so bizarre another one of those things that I wanted to 
as not ASCII specifically, but as the the world, I guess. When the Immortals came out, it's that another uh, Marvel series that also got accused of pandering because it had people who were older, brown people, a, a deaf black woman. Uh, like it was amazing, amazing. It got great reviews, but there was always this tinge of it also being very pandering for Marvel to be more inclusive. And to me, when the question is, when does it stop being pandering? And just start being what it is. You know, I think within that, they're like, we should just cast who's ever the best. We should just cast who's ever deserving. We should just, you know, who's ever going to do the best job. And what happens if it is women? What happens if it is a person of color? When you're asking questions like that, it means, why don't we just cast the best? Do you mean cast the white? Cast the male? cast the abled body like when will we finally get to a point when things are not attacked for or accused of just trying to be part of woke culture Mm -hmm. right when when will that happen because i'm seeing it more and more the more inclusive fictional works try to be flipping yay the more it gets accused of just pandering to woke culture and trying to be inclusive and not really caring about the art. And I'm like, when, what will it take? What will it take for that not to be put into question? Well, it's like a super naive point of view to think of anything as pandering, I think, because all entertainment is geared towards an audience. (laughs) It's entertainment. There is an audience in mind. Like you, what you're asking for is for something to be pandered towards you. <laughs> you know, you're like, I think my opinion of what it should be should be how you make it. Mm. Is is that attitude? Like, if you distill it down, or it's, I think things c- should continue to be made the way they have always been made. That's another kind of pandering, right? I yes. think anyone who has done anything in entertainment knows you have to consider your audience. You have to consider that bottom line. We live in a capitalist society. Who is going to consume this and bring you money? Like <laughs> at the end of the day, like even like I mean Girl, you know I do not like superhero <laughs> movies. I may or may not watch The Immortals at some point because Kumail Nanjiani is in it. Uh, but even then, I think I think anyone who doesn't think those Marvel movies aren't just out to make as much money as possible are just lying to themselves. Girl, what fantasy are you looking at when you don't think the almighty dollar is the one really wearing the cape? Boo-boo. Yeah. <laughs> and the reality is, in the U.S., there are more and more people of color. You want our money? You better pander to us. <laughs> Girl, so I'm going to take for my for my Disney geeks and nerds out here. Encanto is one of the best, like my favorite example right now, because I every once in a while I'll listen to like the top 40 charts. Just once again, trying to stay relevant, failing miserably, but still trying. Right. Several songs from a Disney movie are on the top charts. That right. movie is like surpassing Frozen. It's surpassing Beauty. And the- it is breaking records everywhere. And 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 who does it star? A bunch of brown people <laughs> speaking Spanish. Like to me, this just shows. And we brought this up at the uh, circle of nerds is like the brown dollar. And right. I feel nerd culture is being shaken up by the brown dollar of realizing that that is a market that has been ignored and untapped. And I think they're putting the feelers out for that and realizing we we loyal, we we roll thick. Like you're saying, you want my money? You want my I'm willing to pay for it. Here it is. If Black Panther didn't show you that, there's a market out there. Yeah. You want it? Show me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is hilarious to me, the people who are like, well, 
if if they're going to pander to them, they're not getting my money. And it's like, there are more, there are going to be more of us than you. Um, Bye. So take you and your 12-sided die somewhere else. <laughs> Which I know is kind of a shitty attitude because right now we are the minority, right? And that's the point is things have been marketed towards the majority for too long. And we're, we're joking about, you know, getting our money. But the truth is, as the world continues to be more diverse, it makes logical sense to release diversity in your content. It does. Like even I'm looking at um, anime, anime that has also had this this surge of like I'm thinking like black people they diehard fans for anime they love anime like within the community we talk about it quite a lot and the book brings up anime quite a bit. And they've gotten our money for a very, very, very long time. <laughs> so it's like, once again, if even something that's not even traditionally for American mm-hmm. <laughs> being one, so then it's like Americanized and then representing what America looks like now and wanting to, for it to be inclusive. It's such an interesting growth and, and paradigm seeing that within, within comic books, within arts and video games, movies, it's... It's growing and the need is out there. And I'm thinking finally those on high, whoever controls all the money in this capitalistic mm-hmm. society, are finally seeing all oh, those people we have ignored. They they roll thick. They have money, huh? Perhaps looking for those new revenues. I think once again, because of the overexposure, because there's so many veins and revenues, there has to be a little bit more competition. They have to try a little bit harder. You know, there's not three movies that come out a year anymore. Right. <laughs> like, there's so much access that you have to kind of uh, exhaust every revenue possible in order to be on the up and up to make that coin. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would say along those lines, though, it matters less. This is just the world, the way the world is is moving is it matters less what the masses want and more what like key influencers. And I don't mean just social media influencers mm. like that in, in any sort of way, people who influence other groups of people. Right. When you're thinking about marketing, you think about those people, the yeah. people who are going to bring in a group because it is so much harder to reach people because there is no mainstream. And I think it's really those key influencers that determine what what is greenlit these days. Mm. Well, that's why we have to continue to push people who are in realms of power to represent Mm, women, non-binary, LGBTQI+, you know, people of color. And... Finding people who are producers, directors, writers in that because they're going to have a bigger sphere, a bigger vein of influence within that. So we can further enjoy, I I guess, something I really desire when especially talking about this topic is realizing how much diversity and inclusion really enriches nerd culture. Yeah. You know, it's. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things of how can you not see it? I'm thinking about anime that's not indicatively American mm-hmm. <laughs> and how much people enjoy that. And it's like, well, can you how can you enjoy something that is not traditionally American and then not want everyone in America to be represented in that? How can you keep t- taking from other cultures, other races, other ethnicities, make it Americanized and then gatekeep anyone else from coming in and enjoying it it is such a weird thing to watch and not thinking don't you think this would enhance aren't you excited to see what will come out as we continue to have gamers of color artists and animators and writers of color and women more women like don't you think that'll be such so exciting to see what will come of that don't you think that will enhance the gameplay enhance the experience and uh, i think a lot of people fall into the trap of change is scary Mm. I guess I get that. Is it that big to gatekeep a whole genre out of sheer fear? But I get, I mean, fear has made people do way, way worse things than gatekeep their favorite movie or series, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think there is a lot of gatekeeping that happens, but because the world is so much more interconnected than it used to be, Mm -hmm. it's also easy to 
like find a group of blurs who share the same interests as you or you know there there are ways around the gatekeepers because you know the there isn't like one organization that determines who can be a trekkie or a trekker right I mean, even that, there's two different terms for fans of Star Trek. So I think there's always a way to find a community that will love and appreciate what you love. I also just feel strongly sometimes that it's like, I can love something by myself and that's mm. fine too. I don't need external validation in my love for something. Um, but I also have like an obsessive personality and so I obsess over whatever my new new fan thing is <laughs> but you know what it's it, like i said talking and looking at through the limbs of our topic through love it's for the love of the thing you're obsessing about mm-hmm. not the love of being acknowledged of someone who's an expert of that what do you right. really love so it's like a challenge to nerds and geeks out there what do you really love do you just love knowing more than everybody else or do you love the topic what do you love more and for me like I love that someone wants to sit and talk and kiki about Sailor Moon more than me understanding it and and being able to read the original comics in Japanese (laughs) like like, you You don't need to throw that shade (laughs) wink wink you know but to me I could sit there and be intimidated that I haven't or just enjoy talking about it because I just love the topic and I love the nostalgia and I love what it was for me, especially in my youth. Can we, can I love just talking about the Lord of the Rings and not feeling like I know all the nuances and, you know, and, and not having read the books in a few years, you know, do I love that and the folklore and what it means and the symbolism? Or do I just want to sit on high and say that I know everything about the hobbit and the lord of the like what is it that you love and if you love just knowing <laughs> and feeling like you're an expert more than the actual topic then you need to get that right with yourself <laughs> yeah no and i think that that's a valid point and i think if we're to take a step back and look at the venn diagram and think <laughs> about incel culture and how that mm. overlaps with nerdum culture and gatekeeping i think People do see being the person who knows everything as a powerful position. And if they feel like they don't have agency in other parts of their life, they're going to hold on to that for dear life. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. It becomes fear-based of that identity being attacked. Mm -hmm. And when you have that fear, people do very crazy, scary things with said fear. Yeah. So I have to say, like, sometimes even now, like, nerd culture isn't always sexy. Like, I make, like, deep cut X-Files references that no one gets. <laughs> and it's and that doesn't make me feel good about myself. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a lonely world. Y'all don't know. Y'all don't know how lonely it can be sometimes to make obscure references and no one get them. there's i i know we're like trickling down but i kind of want to just touch on this topic a little bit for our our brown nerds out there and um in the book in black nerd problems they talk a little bit about the escapism and how what it's supposed to be you know because that's nerd culture fandom geekdom at least for some people you know they use it as escape from the world and if any there was a time for us to have escapism it's now it's the last two three years right Mm. so what do we do and i think this is something even i have noticed in some of the things i used to escape in in media and even in books when they start using real world situations within the context of escapism like movies like comics and like art and we don't get to escape being brown being women within these these within these worlds like what does that mean for us when we never get to have escape for us Hmm. i mean i'm interested to hear what you think because i i don't know i i feel like 
I can see it both ways. Like, mm. yes, it's escapism, but I think for me, I find fiction that is rooted in reality really important. Mm. And I I like, you know, I like the Star Treks of the world that will tackle hard issues through this lens of science fiction. And I find that really important. I think this is perhaps where trigger warnings <laughs> become important. Mm-hmm. And I know people have mixed feelings about trigger warnings, but especially when they're like, oh, man, then that was a spoiler. <laughs> like People are so weird. But I, I, I personally, I'm always like, it doesn't hurt me to have a trigger warning. Like if there are people who really do not want, you know, police violence, they don't want to see police violence. They live a life where they are in fear of the police constantly. They don't want to see police violence in their escapism fiction. You put a trigger, like a trigger warning at the top. That doesn't impact Mm -hmm. me and it makes someone's life better. So I don't know. I think, I think trigger warnings are the answer. Um, And I know maybe that's my snowflake millennial answer. (laughs) Well, you can melt on my lawn any day. (laughs) I do like that. And I love that you kind of gave an answer to that because I've just been facing that a lot more within, not that I get to escape very often, but when I do... You know, I was I was reading a comic and it did have police brutality. And it's one of those things of I do appreciate how they have woven into these fictional worlds that wow, some things never change. And how do these fictional worlds handle that? Right. right? Even like in the themes of X-Men and how we treat people who are different. You know, mm. growing up with that, I can look back on it now and been like, oh, as a young kid and then like, oh, this is really representative of this or that. And while wow, I can appreciate and seeing how they were able to use that as a vehicle to talk about it in mainstream culture. Right. And I think maybe it's just now because I feel like I can never get away from it. That sometimes the stories I read online of things that are actually happening feel otherworldly that mm-hmm. I can't believe they're actually happening and, and then I go into a comic book where it's like this is supposed to be a fake world and it is still happening it can feel really overwhelming and it can feel that there is no need for me to take myself out of what's going on and it feels really tiring you know my husband's always after me to take a break from things and I tell him all the time I can't because I can't take off the skin I can't turn on the news I the books that I read the circle and I think we talk about the circles we keep talk about these really important issues that are very gender race driven and I'm like even mm-hmm. if I wanted to I cannot that is just the world I keep right But every once in a while, I do find myself needing that little bit of solace. And I feel it's harder and harder to find little pockets of escape from it. And I I do like what you're saying. I, I, I appreciate that. I think, like you said, from a millennial to another millennial. I do appreciate trigger warnings because I would hate for anyone to kind of proverbially walk into something that they were not mentally ready for i watched something ages and ages ago that actually showed a woman breaking her leg and i did not realize i like became sick and pale because i broke my leg and it was a very traumatic event yeah and i had no clue i had to leave the room i broke out in a sweat i had no clue that was going to happen to me i did not know i was going to respond that way and i think had i known beforehand i think i would have been like actually i don't think i'm gonna watch this and that's okay and that's called knowing yourself we talked about this in some of the movies that we watch, like American Sun. Like if you are not in the place to talk about this, do not watch it. I think it's important for you to eventually do that. And reading about some women who are activists say eventually you need to be in a place where you, you can watch these things or read these things and tackle through it. But it's also okay to realize you're not in that place yet. So I, I like that. I like the trigger warnings in that to where you can kind of build up to be yeah. able to enjoy those things. I also think, and this is just me, like, reflecting on what I do to, like, unwind or escape, and I am a very anxious person, and so I would never watch anything new as a way to escape. 
escape. Like I, I go back to like things I've seen a million times and that's just me. So as I'm, I'm hearing you talk and thinking about this, like part of me is like, of course, like I would never go blind into something. And I don't know like if that's a consequence of the society that we live in and knowing that like things can just trigger you out of nowhere or if it's just the anxious mind likes likes a thing that they already know where it's going so Mm -hmm. so that's that's just where i'm at i this will be my statement i appreciate art that's taking from life because i think it's important especially for those who are white (laughs) <laughs> and don't have exposure or have not done the the thinking to think outside of that. I think these are really great windows, really great doors for people to walk through to be able to start doing the work as we talk about on the show. Science fiction can be that, you know, it can do that if it's baby steps, right? But I think for for myself, for BIPOC people, for women, it, it is rough out here, y'all. <laughs> it is It is rough. I, I push back, Tamika. I don't think it's like for white people because I feel like it can be very affirming to recognize that these things happen mm-hmm. in the world, that these things happen to humans, even mm-hmm. if they are not part of our real contemporary moment. So I, I think that it can be for BIPOC. As I'm well. not saying that it's not. What I'm saying as far as like... <sighs> For long-term benefit, for something, if I'm reading about something and I'm already living and identifying, yes, that could be really reassuring. Yep, I'm really, really glad. But once again, if I'm in community doing the work, I'm constantly seeing it. What long-term good can it possibly do for me? As opposed to someone's like, I've read this, a white person, like, huh, I've never thought about that way. Or, oh, did you know this book or this this movie was actually in representing of, uh, of, of slavery or even the Holocaust or how we treat trans people? Wow. And being able to see it once again, practicing that empathy when it's like, I don't necessarily need that practice because I'm also living in this. So I don't think it's not affirming for people of being able to see it. What I'm saying in the long term for people who might already be emotionally exhausted, who might already have that racial fatigue, who might already have fatigued and trauma, it might not necessarily be affirming. It might be like, yeah, I know I'm already living this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that 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 can certainly be true for Mm -hmm. for people. I think the flip side is and we've talked about this a lot, too, is Mm. you learn differently through fiction than you do nonfiction. So I think it's it's a challenge of perspective. It's a challenge of looking at a thing in a different way. Does that mean that everyone needs to go through that? Certainly not. But I think. That. It is, once again, if there is a trigger warning, so if you know emotionally you are not, you don't want to go there, you don't have to. Um, I agree that like just popping something in in the middle of something when you were not expecting it and if you're carrying trauma around an issue, a topic, a thing, that that can be very, very detrimental to yourself. But I think that even for people living and experiencing things, they can learn something from seeing mm. a fictional portrayal of it from a different perspective. Mm, or even like how that how that character might have coped or what it might look like exactly. on the other side. Yeah. 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 I I hope we have more things like that that is a full realized storyline and develop which i mean we didn't get to talk about today of just like when we do have implement like uh, they do imply characters of color that they don't really get to evolve and have a real storyline and i think if we can put people of color world situations in a place that is has arcs and has depth and well written i think it could be really well and not just trauma porn which we have talked about before because i do think we do have people spicing things up like salt bay with some trauma for some spice in the narrative i don't think that's helpful right like period like i do not think that's helpful so yeah i i do see i do see how that could be like wow this is how they are they are coping and it could you could actually leave their with some kind of like resolve or some encouragement. Uh, honestly, I feel like we could probably talk like four more hours <laughs> about that topic. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. It's a large, a large topic for sure. And I think, 
you know, like, I don't know. Like, the example she brought up, I know nothing about Lord of the Rings or Marvel anything. So I think, like, just to reinforce, it's like this idea of nerdum is so, like, unruly and can be anything now. Like, Olivia Rodrigo, you know. it's out there so get go i think my thing is like go get nerdy unabashed without fear and i think what danny said about you can find someone within that if you i think if you want to crochet purple cat plushies in the light of the moon while eating a cheese scone you can find a community that's been like oh yeah we've been established since 2005 yeah definitely and i think the flip side of that which is a good practice for all unicorns is not yucking people's yums. Mm-hmm. Like let people like what they like too without judgment. As yeah. long as it's not hurting anyone, you can like it. I'm not going to judge anyone for liking Lord of the Rings. Maybe a little, but I'm not going <laughs> to say anything about it. <laughs> you know, it's enjoy. Enjoy because life is very, very short. And there's so many other things out there, too. And don't limit yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. I think if you're a person of color, if you're, do not limit yourself based upon fear. Yeah. If you love something, love it authentically, truly for the sake right. of just loving it. Love X-Files because it's just you just love it, you know, not in fear of because of what you look like and who you are. You right. know, love it. I don't look like Scully. <laughs> You've just blown it for everyone who doesn't know what you look like, Danny. And now- everyone was picturing me with like a red bob. Yeah, a girl, obviously. But <laughs> just strong features, oval face, very, you know. Yeah. Scowl. Perfect. I mean, I'm even taller than she is, so. Are you really? She's like short. she's like five one or something. She's tiny. Oh, is she tiny? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. All right. Well, shall we wrap up and uh, move into our happy places? We should. All right, Tamika, what's making you happy? I was working the other day and I drove by a farmer's market that was advertising being opened in like a weekish or so. So by the time this airs, it will be open and that will make me happy because mm. I really enjoy it. I think it feels like, even though it doesn't feel like spring, eventually the seasons will change. What it will change into, I do not know. But it made me really excited to like just see... There's nothing like more beautiful than walking in there and seeing all the beautiful like produce out there. And I I don't know. It's very, speaking of geeky or nerdy, it makes me really excited to, feels like a new season's happening and food possibilities. <laughs> I'm starting with food, ending with food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't, it just, I didn't know, I didn't get to go because by the end of being new here last year, I found it towards the end of the season. I didn't get to go. So I'm like, oh, you know, it was the end of the season last year and I didn't get to. And I was like, oh, no. So I'm really excited to to go. It feels very normal, Um, something I used to do a lot in England and and New Mexico. So it feels really excited to go and do that. Oh, my God. Wait. So you haven't been there a year yet? I was. So we got. Yeah. And but we got here in the winter. Yeah. In my mind, I was like. You've already been there for a year that this is your second spring, but it's your first spring? No, it's my... No, I'm trying to think. We got here. No, it's my second one. But maybe I just didn't know where this one was. Mm, because I didn't, we didn't go anywhere. I didn't drive anywhere. That's so. true. COVID it throws everything off. Yeah. yeah. So by the time I actually was like comfortable enough to like drive out and do things, I'm like, oh, cool. And then it was already like the end of the season. So because we got here late late fall going into winter and didn't go anywhere <laughs> then like i said spring came didn't go anywhere the numbers were stupid high i took classes online but yeah but now i'm working and i drive a lot more out and i was like oh yay but yay it's open now and i'm very excited excellent i love a farmer's market for yeah. the most part <laughs> you know the inner workings of it so it's not <laughs> yeah 
I imagine it being extremely political and I need a three-part series. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Boo? What's making you happy? Yeah, I mean, I guess since it's springtime, I will also go with a plant food related happy place. Um, Mm. This year we're planting a a home garden that's a a special, (laughs) we bought this the special collection of seeds from a, a supplier that my husband orders from for the farm, but uh, they're they specialize in like Asian plants. They're based in California, um, Asian vegetables. So we bought their like special grouping of Year of the Tiger. <laughs> so I'm I'm excited to get our uh, Year of the Tiger garden planted. Oh, I need a, I'm like, I need updates. I'm going to need updates. (laughs) So that'll be fun. I'm, I mostly, I was just like, there's Shiso in there. So I'm happy. As long as that comes through, that's all you care about. (laughs) Oh, this was good. Yeah. I, okay. Before we go, before we wrap up, uh, Damika, top three nerd dumbs of yours. Oh, don't make me pick between my babies. You have to. Oh, I shoot the rest of them. <laughs> now we have to put a trigger warning on top of this episode because Danny chose violence. Infanticide. <laughs> trigger yeah. warning. Yeah. Um, oh, dang it. I What I feel like I can be. I, I enjoy a good, a good Star Trek. Line. Once again, I don't. Do I feel like an expert? Wait, no, no. We're not doing that. I enjoy it. I really like it. I love the story things. It's something I've had for a long time. Uh, Ninja Turtles, once again, mm. big fan since I was a little girl. Read comics, like it. Feel like I could have like a BA in it, you know, you know. And um, uh, maybe like musical theater. It was hard because Sailor Moon and musical it, they, those those nerds run deep and they are scary. So <laughs> I feel like I need to put that in there, like very you know, have a little bit of science fiction, a little bit of that. It's there's too much. There's there's a lot. Like, but you, all right. What about what about you? Um, I know. Yeah, I I mean I have a I have a very clear four. Um. Mm. So the three is a little difficult, but I X Files, Harry Potter, Sailor Moon, Back to the Future. <laughs> I know that's why I was like, do I do like Sailor Moon musicals? Because there is a Sailor Moon musical. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think if we're going like full on nerdum, I would say Sailor Moon will bounce out Back to the Future just because Back to the Future is only three movies and a video game um, mm. and a musical. Um, whereas Sailor Moon is a much bigger franchise and as is Harry Potter and X-Files. I know. Oh, that's so hard. Cause I'm like, where, where do you put Harry Potter in that? Cause I'm just like, I'm, I love that. I have that. I'm like, am I a fan? Do I nerd out? But I feel like the conversations we've had have been quite nerdy. So I don't, it's too much. I love I love all my babies, and of course, you know anything related food wise. So, but I don't want the <laughs> food is too big of a category to me. Yeah, but as you just said, there's people who don't care. I did not know that there are people who don't care. Honestly, my husband's like, if you can give me a beige smoothie, like Holt style, that gives me all my nutrients, and I don't have to have to think about it. There are people out there that don't care. So, yeah, I mean, I, I care about, about food. I just yeah. it's not on my mind. Yeah, and it until is. I'm eating it. And I'm obsessed. (laughs) All right. With that, we'd love to hear what you are nerdy about. So definitely let us know. You can reach us via email by racialunicorns at gmail.com. You can also reach us on social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook at biracialunicorns and on Twitter at biracialmagic. We want you to nerd out over the people that we've just loved in our unicorn circle. That's going to be Deli Pop Art at Deli Pop Art on Instagram. Please go share, browse her merch. It is good stuff. We also want to thank you so much, Joseph Scott, uh, for making our beautiful intro outro music. We want to give a nerdy shout out to Sosmith Photography, who is also getting merch of her artwork. So go check that out. Uh, while you're nerding out, we want to hear your favorite topics 
and we know that's a plethora of things we didn't even like i'm a dc girl first let me throw that out there i didn't even put on any respect on that name and i feel like that's coming for me so that's what superman <laughs> yeah 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 superman is part of the dc so i feel like that's gonna come and bite me on my rump uh but please leave us uh comments reviews give us a five-star rating that helps us get through the machine of the algorithm and be able to expand our our beautiful nerdy brown queer community to where we can all just have safe place to have these conversations yeah Oh, and if you do so want to drop a little coin in the bucket to keep the proverbial lights on, we would we would also not be mad about that. Yeah, you can check that link in our show notes. It's buy me a cup of coffee, buy me a coffee, something like that. You'll see it in there, along with all of the things we've just mentioned and links to other things. So check out the show notes. All right, y'all. We will be back next week with a mini-sode and in two weeks with another full episode. Mm-hmm. Peace. Out.